up, y'all? Hey, folks. Welcome to this most unbelievable podcast. We are your hosts, Paul Fitzgerald. And Sherry Spiegel. You're listening to season two, our first summer season. For the next few months, we'll take a look at a thread we began last season in our Rates of Things episode. We'll take several episodes to explore how we process and experience things. First in the body. Then in the mind. And finally, and most challengingly, in the heart. We would love your feedback, so please feel welcome to leave us a comment or a question on the Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thepaulandsherrypod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also find all of this on our website, thismostunbelievablelife.com. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. And if you like the show, we'd appreciate your rating on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out, too. We're so glad you're joining us on this journey. And on with the show. Hi, Sherry. Hey, Paul. How's it going? It is going very well. How are you? I'm... How am I? I'm good. Let's say I'm good. Am I good? Perfect. I think I'm good. Uh, You're asking. You're asking me. You're asking me. How are you, Paul? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, Yesterday and today, feeling pretty good. I had a rough couple of weeks there for a while with a lot of different stuff going on. Um, But... uh, we were just talking before I woke up uh, yesterday morning. Like, I think I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. And that carried through to today, so it wasn't just a one day. It might just be a two-day reprieve, but I'm doing good. That's a tr- How are you? I, I I hold to my original answer. I think I'm okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Um, it's interesting. So you said there were a couple of weeks. Did you know while you were in those weeks that they were not, that all signals were not go? I did. I did know. Mm-hmm. So I what's the difference that. now? Right. What changed? Um, Is it the haircut? Ooh, you know, it might be the haircut. That might have been the thing I needed all along. Um, and uh, the haircut episode is the episode right before this one, so people will know by now that I have the haircut. Continuity. So I, yeah, I, I did. Uh, just so listeners know, I did get the haircut, right? Uh, that evening after we recorded that. Yeah. And uh, the change in my general state of being and mood was not immediate. It took a couple of days, but uh, so I don't know if there's a relationship or, or not, but, um, and I've, I've joked with, with you about this many times, you know, I mean, with, with hair like mine, you're in and out in 10 minutes, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a long involved thing. Getting an appointment means calling ahead and seeing, <laughs> seeing if a chair is open, right. On the, on the, while you're on the road, um, but it, it, it's, it's good. I feel a little bit more like myself. It feels a little bit more like me. And the theme of that episode last week was, um, this has gone on long enough. And, you know, not to, not to revisit that or reiterate that too much, but not the pandemic. I'm tired of the pandemic. When are we going to go back to the way that it was? But how am I carrying myself during this? And this has gone on long enough. And, you know, I was in a little bit of a funk for a couple of weeks and I knew while I was in it absolutely 100% that I was in a funk. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people around me knew that I was in a, in a, in a little bit of a funk plus all your hearts for your <laughs> patience. Um, and, uh, I woke up on Monday morning and it's like, okay, 
you know, and maybe it's letting go. Maybe it's, it moved through me. Maybe it's, it's whatever. Maybe it's the haircut. Maybe it's, I, I, I don't know, but um, I'm 100% firmly behind the haircut idea. I think it was a great idea. Uh, great thing for me to do. <laughs> I sort of feel like my old self again for whatever that's worth, for better or worse, you know, for better or worse. You know, I did. Um, it's a lot cooler. It's well, lot cooler, there's that's that. for sure. I did see you the day after you got your haircut, uh-huh. and uh-huh. you were also dressed in your Nova attire, which I was my for Nova our outfit. listeners who probably know this by now, and they're rolling their eyes at me as I say this, um, but that's Paul's black t-shirt and his blue jeans. So you did look the part last Wednesday when I saw you. Yeah, I did. And I think that was part of the experiment, you know, um, I think it was part of the grand experiment of it is you get the haircut. I mean, I've had, when I talk about the haircut, I'm not talking about anything fancy or anything weird, you know, um, it's the haircut I've had for 10 years, probably, you know, uh, there's not that much you can really do with, with my hair. Um, and, uh, so I, I think that reassociation with that haircut put me back in the thing. And, you know, when I woke up, the next day, I was like, I don't know, we'll try it out. I'll put some jeans and a black T-shirt on and see how it, see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it all felt felt pretty good. And again, it was several days past then that I actually, you know, started feeling myself again and got out of my the funk I was in, whatever that was. And I say whatever it was, but I think I. So had a I have of a good question ideas. for you. So the last sure. time you probably got your hair cut was I don't. No, I don't. It wasn't long before all of this started. Right. So it was like March. Late February, early March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, late February. I think I do actually remember when you got your hair cut. I'm not sure what that says about my memory. But anywho. um, It's important. Yeah. So so it's been since March, since, you know, you had the haircut, since you were wearing the uniform on a regular basis, right? And you mm-hmm. can get the same haircut again, and you can wear the same clothes. Mm-hmm. But do you think that you are the same Paul Fitzgerald that you were when we left for spring break? Oof. Uh, a lot has happened. Yeah. A lot has happened in the last five, where are we, five months? Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot has, a lot has ha- a lot has happened, and I don't think. S- mm, I don't know. It's e- you know I I'm, I'm I'm trying not to go to. I don't think so. I've changed, and these are the five ways. I don't know. I mean, I, I I still feel. I've always said this thing. It's like I feel exactly like I'm the same person I was when I was you know 17 or 18. Um, I feel like still myself from when I was young. Um, from decades ago i still feel like i'm looking through the same eyes as i did pre-covid you know january february um i think i've learned a few things between now and then mm-hmm. new information um, that, has been yeah gathered. that you can really only learn from having the experience of the 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 doings that we're being put through through this pandemic happen well once every hundred years Mm -hmm. right um these are not lessons that are easily learned on a whim um the circumstances are uncommon 
to um, be able to have these experiences where I actually learn the things that one can learn from having an experience like this. Um, wiser? I don't know. Probably not. Um, who knows? Um, life isn't easier. I don't think life is harder. Um, still, you have good days and bad days, and sometimes you have a couple of good days in a row, and sometimes you have a couple of bad days in a row. Um, by you, I guess I mean I. And um, I don't think I'm immune th- to that. I think, I've, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I've learned a few things. I think I've mm-hmm. learned a few things. Am I the same person? Yeah, I guess I, I, I kind of would say that I am. Uh-huh. At, at the core of it, the things that are important to me are still important to me. Uh-huh. Um, the things that are not important to me are possibly less so uh-huh. now. I mean, pandemics have a way of clarifying these things a bit. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. I like to think of... Every now and then I like to play with the, the metaphor of a kaleidoscope. Like you're still looking at all the same stuff, but as you turn the little dial on the kaleidoscope, like mm-hmm. it repositions and it refocuses. Um, and I kind of feel like that with the, with this whole pandemic business. It's like, or anything, you know, who, who was I at 16? Who was I at 24? Who am I today? Um, Maybe all the same pieces are there, but how you're focusing, what the perception looks like, how it all fits together, it looks different. It does look different. And part of the difference that I'm starting to think about now, now that um, if you are a newer listener, thank you for listening. Uh, Sherry and I both teach, you know, uh, at uh, community college and uh, we are about to come up on the beginning of our academic semester where uh, we know what we're going to be doing. We know how this is going to go. We know where we're going to be. We know what these classes are going to look like. We, I mean, we did not know that previously. Right. Um, and um, so knowing what this is going to be like going into the next four months, I feel like I'm a little bit prepared, at least in terms of what to expect than, than was previous than was previous. Because even throughout, you know, the summer, you know, mm-hmm. who knows what fall is going to look like. Maybe we'll do this, maybe we'll do that. And that's nobody's fault. This is, nobody has any experience with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing how this is going to go, I think, is, well, you know, we're going to be doing this. I'm going to be having this routine. I'm going to be teaching this class this way. I'm going to be, you know, with these devices in front of me, with these, uh, this sort of routines that I have, at least through December. And there's there's comfort in at least knowing that. There's comfort in at least knowing that. Right. I, I can take some peace in that, I think. Yeah, I can take some peace in yeah. that. It's like, well, it's going to be like this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, like, once the... Whether or not we're excited about the platforms or the reality, um, I think there's something to be said for, like, once you know what the expectations are, then you can kind of work within it, right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. And you can be as creative as you want within those, within those boundaries, right? You know, and and our our friend Kevin used to always talk about this because um, I had had this conversation with him. Do do boundaries constrain you or do they set you free? You know, it was it was this uh, oh, boundaries. I hate boundaries. They constrain me. I don't. I get to do what I want. I, I'm constrained by them. I don't get to express my full creativity. And his point would be, unless you have the boundaries, you have no idea 
what um, the nature of the creativity itself could be. Yeah. Kind of, I think, you know. Um, and I, I feel like now that I know what's going to happen, the creativity can sort of take shape a little bit more. Well, yeah. I mean, I think when you're not... I think that there's a certain kind of anxiety that comes with the unknown that you spend so much time wondering, like, well, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? And that takes up all the room you have for creativity. Now when you know, okay, well, this is what it's going to look like. Um, in the television show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I swear that there's this quote, but I, I feel like I would have to go back and rewatch the whole show to figure out exactly when Amy Santiago says this. Um, but she says something to the effect, and I should be clear that I relate to this character so much. You've um, talked about the show before yeah. Yeah, like on, the, on the podcast. And, I you know, I've seen it. And I've blogged about it. And, like, Homegirl loves a binder. And, like, I have a binder next to me every time we podcast. Like, it's a thing. Um, but she says something about how, like, how much she loves rules. Because with rules, like, everyone can have fun safely. It's something like that. And um, I don't know. I think once you know what the guidelines are, once you know what your the parameters are, then you can figure out how to work within that. Yeah. And I've talked um, a couple of times um, on this podcast about my writer's block, my inability to, you know, sit down and put word to, to screen. And I felt very much not creative mm -hmm. over the last month or two, maybe month, month and a half. And one of the things that's been creeping in my own head that resonates perfectly with what uh, you just said, it's like exhaustion and mm -hmm. lack of clarity sort of suppresses creativity a bit. Um, and it's like when I feel uh, rested and reasonably secure in what's going to happen, then all of a sudden I can generate some creativity. But without that, I just sort of start dropping into, you know, Maslow's hierarchy a little mm -hmm. bit farther down than creativity tends to live. You know, I don't think creativity lives in the, the landscape of physiological need. I think it's, it's higher up on the pyramid. Yeah. I think a little bit. Yeah. This kind of relates to yesterday we were finishing out a group. Um, we had a 12 week, beautiful study of the artist way with some awesome mm -hmm. humans. Right. Um, so we finished that out yesterday. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and towards the end, we were talking about whether or not we had goals. And I said that somewhere along the lines, my goal became, uh, to have a wonderful life. And that goal came as a result of Brian Fallon's song, um, where he talks about he doesn't want to survive. He wants a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. And I think I've spent a lot of my life for various different reasons, like always in survival mode, regardless of the circumstances of my life. Like, you know, if you think of the hierarchy of needs, most of my needs have been taken care of my whole life with different degrees of security. Um, mm -hmm. 
But I have always been in survival mode. And so I think for me, like, I'm spending a lot of time thinking right now about, like, what does it look like to move out of survival mode and to think about, like, what are actually the conditions under which I, what do I need to do to ensure that I live an actual wonderful life? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's... (coughs) I think a lot of people would say they they know they don't really know what it is, but they know some things that it's not because they've tried it. Yeah, and it hasn't worked out. And I think it was Jim Carrey, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, who who said, "If you think it's gonna, if if you think it's money, believe me, it ain't money." No, he's it's like he's like I've been there, I've done that, I hadn't it it didn't make a damn bit of difference yeah you know on whether or not you're you're a happy person it's something else it's it's something else something deeper it's something more personal it's not something that i think you can go out and get or i don't think it's something that is rewarded to you for particular actions that's a physical thing you know i think it can be the, the the something that's the fruit of hard work, but I don't think it's a reward for hard work. Where it's like if you do this, you're going to get this big fat page. You know, it's it's. I don't think it's things like that. I think it's yeah. There it, it might be other stuff. But he said it's like if you think it's money, just FYI, you're gonna you're not going to believe me. You know, you're going to have to figure this out for yourself. But money ain't going to solve every one of your problems. You know, you're not going to be happier with it. Yeah, it's. I, I don't believe him. I'm going to test that myself, hopefully, but we'll see. Right. <laughs> I, th- I think it's interesting the kinds of things that we think. Right. Like we spend a life trying to figure out, well, what are the things that make us happy? And this relates to, I used to do this um, thing to my students. I don't do it anymore, but I used to have this project that I did at the end of the academic year called the Impossible Problem Project. And I always oh. labeled it that. Um And then I would give them a prompt and I would basically, you know, we've spent a year working on research skills and all the tools you need to answer a hard question. And so then I give them a research question. Uh, And the research question is, what do you need to do to ensure happiness in a society? Um, And they usually take like a week before some of them start coming into my office and saying, you can't answer this question. And I'm like, it's literally called the impossible project. Like, right. come on. Right. I thank you for noticing. Right. Um, but they had to figure it out for themselves. So they eventually always figure out you can't ensure happiness in a society. So then the question becomes, well, what can you do if you can't do that? Um, and, and students go different routes about answering that question like every year, but I'll tell you like ev- almost every year, uh, most of the class decides money is not the thing. Um, they do all this research and they, they, they find people like, you know, Jim Carrey and others that say, yeah, it turns out it's not money. But then the question becomes, right. okay, if not money, if not status, if not whatever, like what actually is it? Yeah. And when it comes to money, I mean, this is not a, a new, you know, finding here. So financial security, maybe. A lot of money, no. You know, um, what is it? It's like once you once you hit a particular it's threshold like of income, yeah, like seventy grand. It's like 
doubled it and you're no happier than you were previously. Um, and, and, and that just might tie into um, you have enough security and knowing and uh, enough of a basis of fact of cushion or whatever that might be that you have room to express your creativity and the expression of self is ultimately the generator of happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, do you spend all your time working for somebody else or do you spend all your time working for yourself? And mm-hmm. if you are spending all your time running around trying to make ends meet, trying to work a couple of jobs to pay the bills and you have no time due to exhaustion um, or whatever to explore your own sense of self, I can't imagine a rewarding life that too, too rewarding of a life that, that makes unless you get the reward out of supporting people who are relying on you or, or whatever that might might be. But when you hit this threshold, yeah, you know, and the and the things that come along with that threshold, um, typically when you're when you're pulling in seventy k, whatever it is, you probably do have weekends off. Mm-hmm. You know, at least every once in a while, you know, you probably do have a team of people that are making an equivalent amount that you know, share burden, um, that kind of, that kind of stuff. And I think that does feed into your ability to at least do something a couple of days a week mm-hmm. that speaks to your own interest. And I think that might be a wellspring of, if not happiness, some heightened degree of satisfaction, maybe, maybe, right. you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, we get the hierarchy of needs taken care of. We we get the baseline amount of money, right? People don't jumpstart from there to happiness, right? Like, it's not you mm-hmm. sign the contract and tomorrow you're happy. Yeah, tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, right. so where do you think people get stuck? Like, because I think that there are a lot of people, I know a lot of humans, people I love, who have all their basic needs taken care of, who live lives many people on this planet would envy. And yet they wake up every day just as miserable as they were the day before. Why? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if I know the answer to that, you know? I mean, it, I, I, there's a couple of things I can say that just sort of kind of kind of throw into things we've sort of talked habit of ha- habit habits of mind you know you mm-hmm. you're, you have a habit of a point of view mm-hmm. that's hard to get out of you know um i don't know you know well, um, say more about that that's interesting well well um in in quite a bit of their neuro neurophysiology psychology work that that some folks are doing now um, with things like happiness and generosity and curiosity and um, these these sorts of traits for lack of a better word what the finding is a lot of times is that the actions of those things don't follow the feelings of them mm-hmm. the feelings follow the action of them so if you want to be a generous person how do you cultivate that? It's it's a verb. It's a yeah. verb. 
you know, you, you do things. If you want to be, if you, if you want to cultivate curiosity, you don't do it by sort of, okay, now I'm going to be curious. I'm going to do it right now. And you're going to start trying to flex some muscle of curiosity within yourself. Go act curious. Uh-huh. Go act curious. Um, if you want to be kind and generous, act kind and generously. And it's, it's the actions that oftentimes takes the lead uh-huh. and the, the, the feelings or the sensation of it or the, the way of being of it comes in afterwards. It's mm-hmm. cultivated by the action, not the other way around. So it's like, you know, if only I was generous, I would give more to whatever. And it, it turns out that it, it, a lot of it goes the other way. It's like, if uh, I'm going to start giving and, um, in, in doing so, I will become, I will become generous. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that's sort of how it works a lot of times. And so, what this what this implies then is if you're sitting around sort of waiting for a flash of happiness to befall you before you start acting happy or acting satisfied or whatever it is, that might not necessarily be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, it's also not necessarily true that you know I'm going to fake it till I make it, and if I act happy, then I'm going to be happy. That's not true either. Right. That's right. not true either. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the first thing that one might do if one realizes that one is not as happy as they could be and they might want to be, um, they might want to start thinking about ways or things they could do to cultivate that, um, is to essentially just make room for the notion that you're, you're able to pay attention to the fact that maybe there could be more to this. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, some of this is something that I can do something about because a lot of people who, what, what goes along a lot of times with people who um, don't feel like they're particularly happy or satisfied or enriched in their life is feelings of helplessness about mm-hmm. it, feelings of helplessness. Um, and it's not that you have to go out and run out and do things in order to do that, but it's just realizing that maybe in, just kind of plant this little seed plant this little seed where maybe just maybe here you go sherry you're ready what if mm-hmm. this is something that you might actually be able to do do or take some action on to address it if nothing more than talking to somebody about it yeah well i like so i like two things that just popped up in what you were saying so one you used the word cultivate and then you talked about seeds and I, I really do gardener think... Gardener at heart. That's, I'm a gardener at heart. Yeah, like you've been at the garden. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think that's how a lot of this works, right? Like you have to... I mean, I love the word cultivation because, you know, it evokes this image of something that is a long process and it's not overnight and it has to keep... You kind of have to have a little bit of a faith that it's... That the right stuff is happening, even if you can't see it immediately. I mean, how many times have you read, like, some sort of garden analogy that's like, the worst thing you can do is, you know, pull up your plants and see if they're growing, right? Yeah, right, right. You have to trust, even if you can't see it, and you have to start with the seeds, and you have to let it. But it's so intentional, like, you you have to keep working on it, like... Yeah, it takes three things, you know, and I, I say three because I just wrote down three that makes sense to me. You right, know? so it's now like, it's the list. I, I, yeah, so I wrote down, right, and this is something that our listeners could do, get a piece of paper out, right? 
um, and write down cultivation requires and then finish that sentence. You know, and I I put three things. Um, Cultivation takes work. Yeah. It's, It's work. It's not, it doesn't happen by itself. You know, as much as I want to think, I go out to the garden and I plant some seeds and they just kind of grow by themselves. There's a little bit of an element to that from the point of view of the seed, but there's watering, there's weeding, there's uh, tending, there's mm-hmm. trellis. I mean, there could be trellis. I mean, thing, the seed will grow yeah. by itself. If I put a little bit of intentionality into this and do a little bit of, um, you know, for some fra- for some reason, the phrase backbreaking labor came into my mind, but I'll, I'll not say backbreaking labor. If I put a little intentional effort into this, the yield of that plant may be higher. Mm-hmm. If I prune the tomatoes, instead of have one long vine, I will get more tomatoes. If I, you know, those peppers that I grow, they like to crank out, you know, fruit, flowers and, and fruits really, really quickly. No, 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 you're not big enough yet. Mm-hmm. You know, yank those, right? Get a little bigger, get a few more leaves, and then we'll start talking about growing some. You have to wait a little bit. Um, and it requires a little bit of work. And speaking of the peppers trying to jump the gun on producing actual peppers that you can eat, patience. Mm-hmm. Requires some patience, you know. The seed does not grow overnight. Um, you put it in the ground and sometimes you have to wait a little bit. I planted a bunch of carrots um, about a week or two ago and they've yet to come out of the ground. They've yet to come. And it's like, you know what? It's cool. It'll be fine. Do It'll not dig them you up know? and check yeah, on do them. Do not dig them. Do not dig them up and because che- every urge is like, what's going on down there? You know, and you want to start to digging around and see what's happening. Take some patience, mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, the last one I took, uh, I wrote down, which is curious even to me. Um, faith. Mm-hmm. Take some faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's like, what am I writing that for? Um, it takes a little faith, you know, that something can be done here. That if I plant the seed, and indeed. The, the plant will grow, mm-hmm. and um, usually it does. Usually it does, but a little bit of faith that this is not a mountain that is too large. This is not a stream that is too wide. Mm-hmm. You can't get across it. You can't get over it. You can't get through it. Um, and I will then complete the loop here and say, yes, you can get through this, and, and having faith that you can is, is a good thing. Um we could almost we could we could tie hope into this uh, as well. You could tie this back to um, that faith is going to be kind of housed in work. Mm-hmm. You're actually doing the work um, to to make that happen, and patience. It's going it's not going to happen overnight. It might take a little bit, and um, you might um, there might be days when you go backwards. Mm-hmm. There might be days when you go backwards, and. Um, it's it's not that you know you go you go forward one day or you go forward three days and you go back one and it's it's a failure and you give up you know there are gonna be days when you go back um it's like going to the gym it's like wow I want to be huge and beefy um and I'm gonna lose 20 pounds and I'm gonna be you know ripped and I'm gonna be a bro and it's gonna be awesome so I'm gonna go to the gym and so you go to the gym and then, you know, you work out and you max out and you lift a bunch of weight and you go home. It's like, what the hell? I didn't lose a single pound. I'm not ripped at all. It's like, you didn't once. You went once, you know? It's like, it, it takes a little bit of work and it takes patience. And you yeah. have to have faith in the process that it, that it does. I do um, think, yeah. I mean, I think patience is like, it's such a key, right? Like, and faith, absolutely. Yeah, like, good list, Paul. 
Good list. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too bent about it. I think it's, it's pretty good. It's not the worst list you've come up with. <laughs> if people come away from this writing down work, patience, and faith, it's like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's the right. Like, I think it points to the fact that there's intentionality, there's involvement. Like, you can't just say like. This is what I want, and I'm going to sit here and wait until it happens. That's mm-hmm. what in the world happens that way. I don't know. You know, somebody said to me the other day, um, just sort of in passing, you know, we were sort of commiserating on a subject, and they were like, Well, you know, it's easy for you to say you have all these things in your life that you love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's true. I do. I have a lot of things in my life that I love. But they didn't just show up one day and knock on the right. door and say, right. like, hello, right. Sherry, would you like these things in your life? Like, um, yeah, I think I've actually worked pretty hard to get where I am. Um, but I think it's also like I've also had to be patient with myself. Um, just one of the things that you and I have talked about before is like for a long time, I've, I, I'm always running ahead and I always want to be 12 steps down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have talked about some of the work we do as though it is a road trip metaphor and we're leaving Washington, D.C. and I want to be in Arizona right now and we're still in Tennessee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah like, gosh. Um and I think, like, sometimes that's really hard where you know where you want to be. How do you figure out? And I'm not asking you this question, Paul, because I know it's not a softball. But, like, <laughs> when you know where you want to be, how do you get comfortable in knowing you're on the journey? Uh, but you might not be where you want to be. Like, it's like, how do you enjoy the road trip? Now I'm going to mix our time. metaphors. One day at a time. Yeah, one day at a time. Yeah. Um, one day at a time, you know, be where you are, be mm-hmm. where you are one day at a time. And if you, if you think about what the destination is to the exclusion of everything else and you're not, and you don't think you're there, you know, what's that going to set up for you? What is that going to set up for you? You know? And how many things to, are you going to miss? Right? Yeah. All of them, all of them. Right? And, um, there's stuff right, there's stuff right now. And this is not, um, and a, a very good friend of mine, um, and, uh, an, an acquaintance of yours, um, hi, Nora, right? Mm-hmm. The other day was, was talking about this gratitude. She gave a, a talk on gratitude in, in a group that I was in that I was fortunate enough to, to, to listen to. Um, it was very good. And, uh, her, her message was gratitude journals, gratitude jars, gratitude lists. Those are great. Um, yet those aren't, you're not trying to knock something out to get gratitude in, you know, um, cause it oftentimes can come across as something that almost that you can, you can beat yourself with almost like a weapon. You should be grateful. You should, you know, um, you know, look at all the good things that you have. Um, you know, uh, this is going on. This is going on. This is not happening. I'm not happy about this, but we should be grateful for these other things as well. And it, it's oftentimes couched in a way that sort of makes you feel like you're not being grateful or that you're, you're selfish or whatever it might be. Um, whereas there's room for both. Mm-hmm. There's room for both. I mean, you can be grateful for things and at the same time, 
know that you're not quite where you maybe you want to be, or maybe you see yourself, and or maybe where um, you want to to vision yourself at, mm-hmm. and that can be okay. That can be okay. Um, Tennessee is a beautiful state. You don't want to miss it, right? Because you're because th- <laughs> I'm about thinking Arizona about Arizona the whole time. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're thinking about Arizona. You're gonna miss all the good stuff about Tennessee, um, and so. You and it's easy to browbeat people with with um, with gratitude. You know, you should be grateful because you know you, somebody's going to rattle off all these things that you have, and none of that takes away from the fact that with all this gratitude that I've had and all these things that I've had that are wonderful over the last couple of weeks, I still had a really rough couple of weeks, and I still was not happy, and I was still pretty damn miserable, yeah. um, despite the fact that I had all these wonderful things. And it's like all those things that I, I have that I can be extraordinarily grateful for did not eliminate the fact that um, I was in a pretty pretty yeah. lousy state. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think the whole, the idea of gratitude as another Penpoint for things that we can beat ourselves up about is really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I like as far as you have lots of things in your life to be thankful for and grateful for, and you probably are like literally are yeah, grateful. Seriously, for all of yeah, them, seriously, right? yeah, for sure, for sure. But I've been thinking Go a down. lot about like within that space, like what do we ruminate about? Um, so I was listening to this podcast the other day. I think it was just yesterday, actually. I was out on a walk and I tend to listen to probably only a couple of different podcasts every time mm-hmm. I'm out on a walk. And one of them is a podcast called uh, Help Me Be Me. And one of the most recent episodes, um, she was talking a little bit about the things that we ruminate on. And we tend to ruminate on the bad stuff. Like, um, yeah. so I was out on this walk on Monday and, you know, um, she's thinking about, you know, take a look at something that that wasn't the best in your life recently and you can mm-hmm. ruminate on all the bad parts of it right or you can try to find like within the space of that thing like is there something that you can ruminate on like can you ruminate on the successes and i i don't mm-hmm. think i tend to do that like um especially if i've done something um it's hardest for me i think if if i feel like i have failed someone or at something that's really important to me like i will ruminate on that failing like hardcore um but like part of what i walked away from that podcast thinking about is like well what if i look at um say a disagreement with a friend and look at it and say well as a result of that I can see this renewed commitment we have to get through the really hard stuff. Or Mm -hmm. I can see the fact that uh, this person's going to stand next to me as I work through the the hardest parts of Mm -hmm. who I am or whatever. I don't dwell on that stuff. I instead am like, oh my gosh, I said the stupidest things out loud where this person could hear them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but... We've all done that. Yeah, we've all done that. So I think, um, you know, like gratitude, schmatitude, like it's not that Mm -hmm. I'm not grateful. It's that I don't ruminate on what I'm grateful for. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, it's why is it always the... 
was it always the bad shows that get put on reruns? It's oh, not yeah. the good ones, you know. It's, it's not the good ones. Yeah, and I mean that that was a big takeaway, and it, it's so interesting because, um. Like, I will rehearse and repeat and retell the worst parts of my day over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. But I don't do that as much with the good parts of my day because that, I just feel like that's bragging, right? No one wants to hear about the good stuff. But for some reason, I think people have the tolerance to listen to me talk about, like, well, here's a miserable thing that happened. And and that's what mm-hmm. we do. Like, we commiserate. We get it's together. water cooler talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, around the water cooler, it's not like, tell me how your day's been awesome. Right? It's... What if it was, though? You know? What if it was? You know? And I, I think the only reason there actually is administration is to give the... The worker something to complain about to make them feel united, right? <laughs> you know, it's like that's all you ever do is you know complain about admin or whatever. You know, um, not that they're any worse than anyone else. Um, uh, but well, yeah, what if what if people did? And and that is, it's so easy. I mean, how many times, Sherry, have you and I found ourselves in groups where it's it's just so easy to fall into a habit of everybody taking a turn. You know, I don't want to dismissively say complaining about things, um, but voicing negative things that are going on or mm-hmm. things that are not easy for them that are going on in whatever facet of their life it, it might be. People bond through complaint more than they bond through joy. And I don't know if that's a biological thing or if that's just the way the culture has sort of has sort of driven it. I mean, what if we, we form groups where we get together and we all talk about things that are going on? What are the consequences of that? Yeah. Why is it that sympathetic misery comes so natural, but sympathetic joy is something we have to actively cultivate? Yes. What's yes. up with and that? Cultivate it. Yeah, and cultivate it, you can. So that's one of the four Brahma Viharas, you know, is uh, a mudita, sympathetic joy. And <laughs> there's not a, a practice in any part of... Uh, a spirituality called sympathetic misery. We've got that down. We've got that down, you know. <laughs> We've got that down. Natural. No practice needed whatsoever. Sympathetic joy, though, that's something else. Because, wow. you know, the four, of course, being metta or loving kindness, and then there's karuna or compassion. Um, mudita, sympathetic joy and equanimity, which is equanimity, you know, upika. And, um, People think, oh, Meta, how do I love everyone? My God, what does it even mean? And, you know, that Meta gets, gets all the attention. If you know of a Brahmavahara, or they're translated the divine abodes, the, the places where the gods live, if you cultivate these states, you know, you can become godlike in your approach to the world around you and those who you share it with. Um, Meta gets a lot of it, gets a lot of attention and, and, and it should. And the, the, the thinking is, if there's only one, you can practice metta is the way to go. And I, I, I do think that's probably true. I mean, it's the armor right. that, that you wear, especially especially towards yourself. Especially towards yourself. I mean, if you love yourself, what can possibly, you know, what, what can possibly harm you? Um, but then uh, when people do a whole treatment of the, the divine abodes, it's like, ah, mudita, sympathetic joy. That's actually the hard one. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the hard one. Can you get, can you find joy in other people's? joy uh and it's like we're fine with misery you know we're fine with misery um but joy is a bridge too far it's like 
uh, it's it's hard, and but I mean there there are ways to cultivate that. Yeah, you know you can you can do it. There's prescriptive processes in place that you can you can you can engage just like with meta, just like with karuna, just like mm-hmm. with equanimity. Uh, but man, if you don't like it, it makes you uh, it makes you feel things that you don't want to feel. Like that person you really don't like, it makes you feel joy that they got something good. Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, it's not that it 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 feels, you know, it feels great when you can cultivate it, but it's like, oh, yeah. your ego, the ego is strong in these ones, you know, the ego is strong and Schadenfreude, you know, uh, you I, know, enjoy getting enjoyment out of the suffering of others, yeah, is uh, tastes pretty much like dessert a lot of times, you know, right? I mean. I, to some extent, I wonder if that's why we're so drawn to the idea of the sympathetic misery or, you know, the concept of misery loves company. It's like, how much of it is like authentic, like actual sharing and caring versus how much of it really is like schadenfreude? Like, just like, are we really listening to other people's misery because we want them to have a safe space to talk about their pain or is it just like, well, at least I'm not the only one. I'm not the only. Yeah, it's it's having right? a like, I'm not the only right? sorry sack here, right? Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. I, I feel like it's that because you know when I was thinking about that as you were talking, you know, I was like, yeah, at least I'm not the only one. <laughs> Thank God somebody else is miserable too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I think that pretty much resonates with a lot of people. You know, thank God I'm not the only one who's miserable here. Yeah. Um, in whatever situation that is, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling one out over another. Um, whatever that situation is, thank God I'm not the only miserable one here. Um, what, what does it mean to feel that though? You know, um, and I don't mean to, to get sort of philosophical in terms of what is it about that that unites people in a, in a similar thing. Just that, um, why is there, comfort in shared misery do you think there's enough misery to go around so you'd think if that was true humans would be more united that doesn't seem to be the case so i'm not sure if it's true on the grand scale well do you think think it works on the micro yeah do you think we is it an exposure (laughs) therapy kind of thing like are we just so exposed to the misery and the suffering of others that it is the expected to where, you know, like when someone, when someone, you know, like I know this by being in different space, community spaces in my life, right? Where you can be in a room with people and everybody's like taking their turn, like talking mm-hmm. about like all the ways that their days ha- has been disappointing. And then someone will bound in with the audacity of having a good day. Yeah. Right? And you like hate that person. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like everyone in the room, like <laughs> and so like as a pack, what do we do to that person? Do we either shut them up as quickly as possible? Because we don't mm-hmm. oh, we don't want to hear that. Ooh, no, we're here in our misery. Or does something sort of less direct, but still just as powerful happen to where the mood of the room like takes that person like it seems that it's very rare that one happy person 
will come and bring the bring joy to the whole room, right? Yeah. But it seems right. pretty common for somebody to walk in feeling pretty good about life and then just have like the happiness just sucked out of them. Yeah, yeah. And the happy person is oftentimes met with a lot of suspicion. Right. You know, a lot of side eye, a lot of... Uh, oh, here she goes right. again. Here she goes, yeah. Something about a podcast. Pretty, I don't know. Pretty, yeah, so weird. God, so weird. What right do they have to be so happy when the rest of us are so miserable, you know? Um, what right do they have? And yeah. it, I don't know what to... I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to say. Um, I, I I don't want to tell people what to do. You know, part of me wants to say, I don't know. Don't, you yeah. know. Um, but it, it takes a little bit of uh, catching oneself. Mm-hmm. Catching oneself. Because I, I think habits of, <laughs> for lack of a, I think we may have coined a phrase, habits of misery, <laughs> you know, um, are so easy to fall into. I think yeah, a lot of times you don't even know that you're doing it. Yeah. A lot of times you don't even know that you're doing it. And it's so easy to generate. And once it gets going, it's so hard to stop. Yep. And um, I think it is almost part of the expected interactions amongst amongst groups. And I think to change away from that, instead of saying, hey, you know, my life sucks and this is nine reasons why. How about you? And, oh, man, I can't believe what they're making us do now kind of stuff. Um, and, oh, this pandemic goes on forever. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, God, how many things are there out there that we could pull on this list from Yeah. Um, to say, wow, what a nice day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's kind of nice. Uh, garden's growing pretty well. Oh, look at the birds. Um I mean, you don't want to be Pollyanna-ish about it and ignore the negative things, but there's room for both. Right. There's room for both. And that's the equanimity part of it um, as, as it comes in. Well, there's I think... for both. I think there's room for both and there's an imperative to have both. Like, you think about humans over the course of history who have been in the absolute worst kinds of conditions... And the ways in which they have been able to cultivate something else. I mean, I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, a friend of mine uh, for a while was studying um, cookbooks that were written by Jewish folks during the Holocaust, right? So these are people um, who are literally starving to death, who are writing cookbooks. Uh Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh-huh. And 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 those co- a lot of those cookbooks live today. And so it's like this interesting thing where it, it's not like they were writing it to like dwell in their misery, right? But it was like this this pipeline to to this thing that I mean, how many of us love for better or worse our family recipes, even if they are a little, you know. I've talked about those before, I think. Well, indeed. Right? <laughs> On this podcast, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I before. think it's this interesting thing where, like, humans in the worst conditions can often find ways to cultivate joy. And then folks who are in relatively decent, like, you know, like, the pandemic stinks. It sucks, right? 
But a lot of us, like, really, like, our big drama right now is we can't go to, like, concerts and bars. I mean, like, yeah, that's making right. light of the suffering of others, right? But I think that there are people facing really, really challenging things. And then I, I think there's another yeah, subpopulation of course, right. of course. who's just kind of bored right now. And so, how, like, couldn't we do it, like, yeah, well, isn't there space the, the, to cultivate something else? Yeah, well, that the the boredom that you speak of is is for many people part of the bridge too far, um, and that's where to go back to the Brahma Viharas because you know Sherry, I will always go back to a good Brahma Vihara. It's like you should do a the, workshop on those. Yeah, I know. Hint, hint, um, <laughs> listeners. Um, uh, that's what meta is for, you know. Um, if what do you, what do you do when you're stuck with yourself? For months on end, you're stuck with yourself, the people that you you live with, and whatever goes through your mind at the time. And uh, what do you bring into that? You know what's in what's in the what's in the luggage that you bring into that situation with you? Yeah. Is it? Uh, I mean, I don't need to turn this into a motivational talk or anything. Is that a bunch of is that a bunch of um, pessimism? Is that a bunch of uh, what was me ism? Is that a lot of gratitude? Is that a lot of joy? Is that a lot of sorrow? Is that a lot of suffering? I mean, is it all of it? Is it right. all of it? And, and shit gets real clear when you're stuck at home for five months yeah. on, on what it is that you're bringing into that party. And, um, if that is simultaneously an opportunity for you to do the hard work of seeing yourself as you, as you truly are, and also one, where, you know, you may have opportunities to address some things that may need to be addressed. And um, I had a rough time these last couple of weeks. You know, uh, I found out a couple of folks that I, I loved have had died, mm -hmm. you know, a year ago. They haven't been in contact for a long time uh, at all. Some other things, what you know, and, and a lot of stuff started catching up with me. And it, it can take you to a pretty dark place. Mm -hmm. Yet, you know, it's time for a haircut. Yet, you know, I'm going to make some dinner. Yet, the the sun still goes up and the sun still goes down and the earth keeps turning. And um, thank God for our friends and those we love and those who love us to, to go through this, mm -hmm. to not see our joys and our sorrows as negotiable parts of our relationships, as, as the part of their relationships that makes them negotiable. You know, you find out who your friends are in times like this. You find out who sticks by you. You find out who you stick by sometimes in, in these things. And you find out what's important to you in times like these. You find out what really pisses you off and you find out what you're really grateful for. Uh -huh. And to miss it, by spending all your time on loop that the pandemic sucks and I can't wait to, till we all go back to the way it was is uh, you're squandering an opportunity, you know, as shocking as dumb as it sort of sounds, you're squandering an opportunity to learn some things. Yeah. Um, like, like you and I also, I, I say you and I, I think it was me that said that uh, before we, we started recording, just don't freak out, you know, pay attention and you can learn something from, from this. Mm -hmm. Don't freak out. 
Just pay attention and you can learn some things. And that paying attention is, oh, that's what these people are doing. It's like, oh, that's what that group is doing. Oh, that's what my employer is doing. Or, oh, this is how I'm reacting. Oh, this is how my mind is moving, you know, as I consider this thing. So it's just, not, it's not just freaking out about what's around you. It's also not freaking about what's inside of you is, is important. And you might learn something about yourself right. that is something that if it is not serving you, you may be able to address. Well, and I think, you know, that, that noticing what's inside of a person. I think that comes sort of to the crux of it. And I think it's the reason for some folks that the whole, why something like this pandemic is so threatening within boredom. I think the big threat becomes without distractions, you are forced to look within yourself and ask what's Uh there. And I think a lot of people I mean, how much money, time, and effort do people put into not ever having to be alone in their own heads? Extraordinary. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Um, it's extraordinary. And I mean, that's the thing, you know. Look the at very- the entertainment industry. And- Look, that's that's your answer, you know? Yeah. I mean, we are amusing ourselves to death, but. Yeah, you amuse yourself, yeah, you amuse yourself to death. The question is why? Because. Boredom, I think, has a lot to do with being afraid of what's left when you're left alone with yourself. And and I don't say that, like, I don't mean to talk about this in a way that's preachy, because for me, it is incredibly personal. Um, because I think when I first, even when I first meditated for an hour, um, I remember going into that room completely terrified at what would happen if I spent an hour alone with myself. She lived, by the way, folks, she, just so you know. She, she lived through the experience. She did. And she chose to do it so. again. Yeah, I mean, I still, and I probably talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. Like, I remember saying to you, are you sure you want me there? And you're like, what yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> right? That, that was your response. Like, what are you going to do? Jeez, and for do? me, I was like, I literally don't know. I don't, like, I was super suspicious of, um, and it's so interesting because there are these really amazing humans in my life, like fantastic, delightful humans, people that I could tell you wonderful things about all day long. And those people seem to think that I'm a delightful person to spend an hour with. Um, in fact, sometimes I have trouble with perhaps too many people wanting to spend an hour with me, which we can talk about another time. Um, but <laughs> The only person in the world who I think was absolutely, like, disgusted at the hour, the idea of an hour with me was me. Yeah, it was you. Yeah. And I I don't think I'm all that unique. I think there's a lot of people out there. I mean, all the time I tell people, yeah, so I meditate for an hour. And they're like, oh, I couldn't do that. That's Olympic. Yeah, that's Olympic. Like, what are you running from? It's just you. Just yeah. Yeah. In my in my less kind days, my response to that would be, "Oh, you can. You just won't." You know. Um, what would that's not? What a, would your not more a kind, kind response? Yeah, be? that's that's not a kind answer. Um, it's like, yeah, it's hard. It is hard. Let's do it together. It's super scary. See, let's see what comes up. You know, it'll be fine. Yeah. We'll we'll do it together. Um, you know, yeah. In my younger years, it's like you can. You just won't. You know. Well, you and know, it's still that that serves no one. That kind of response serves no one. Yeah, no, let's do it together. It's hard. It's hard for me too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still hard. 
Like we meditated this morning. That was a long yeah, hour. It's, not, this it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Have you met oh, me? God. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm still here. But you know, things are things unfold. Things are uncovered. You learn about yourself and you, you move forward. And, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the things that you learn about are not things that you always like. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why it, sometimes we we try to still the mind a little bit to let them come forth and to hold them with equanimity and compassion and yeah. You know, talk about sympathetic joy. You have some sympathetic joy for yourself when good things happen too. You know, and and these things sort of sort of fall into place in, in a framework that gives you a place to, to sort of go. You know, the but other you got to put in you got to put a little bit of time, and you got to put in a little bit of work, and you got to put in a little bit of patience, and you got to put in a little bit of yeah, you know, a little bit of faith that that there's something worth uncovering here. You know, the I mean, I think for me, one of the most interesting things that sometimes comes out of spending an hour alone with myself is, you know, I really get to know some weird things about who I am as a person. And then all of a sudden, like some of these things that I think are like the worst, most shameful parts of me, I start to notice in other people, people that I love who do similar You start to see things. And then you start to have this conversation with yourself that's like, well, if I can observe this person do that exact same thing and love them in that, and maybe even because of it, then why am I so like ruminating on how worthless I am for having the exact same quality that this person over here that I love also has? Yeah. That I can, yeah. why can I excuse it in them, but not in me? Yeah, um, and uh, that was that's a that's a common thing in the West, um, mm-hmm. and uh, th- there are a few different stories about this. But just cultivating loving kindness and metta, and, you know, if if you do it in the traditional practice, you know, you, there's you know friends and people you don't know, and you know your enemy, whatever that means, and you know cultivating loving kindness for yourself. Which one is the hard one? Which which one are people like? Oh no, we're not going there. It's not your enemy. It's yourself. It's yourself is the hard one. Yeah. It's like that, you know, and and for for the longest time, that was always sort of couched in the in the old old texts as let's start with something easy, let's cultivate love for yourself, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into the hard stuff. And in the West, it's like <laughs> <laughs> self love for self comes last because yeah. it's like let's let's do the worst person in the universe, and then we'll get to ourselves after we're practiced with that. Because yeah. however awful that person is, however hard it is to love that person um, in a non-transactional way, uh, you will be more difficult. Mm-hmm. You will be more difficult. And there's something about our culture, our society, our way of being, our habits of mind that predispose us to finding ourselves a bridge too far in in, in the concept in, in the context of of loving ourselves. Yeah. And uh, isn't in I will go so far as to go on a limb and say it ain't good. Let's do something about it. Yeah, yeah. It ain't good. Let's do something about it. I yeah. I think you know we could. You know, it's interesting. Um, I used to think that self-deprecating humor was one of my strongest virtues. Like I was so good mm-hmm. at it, like mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, and I just, I, I think it may actually just be a big cultural problem, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. Let's. What else could we do instead? Yeah, it's, it's of seen as a 
yeah, it's seen as a, oh, what a great quality this person has. They're self-deprecating. You know, it's like, is it? Is it? No, because we wouldn't find it virtuous if they treated literally any other person that way. Yeah, and it's it's like it's this, um, it's a response to this value in making others comfortable by decreasing your own sense of worth. Yeah, I think we have this. Is that true? Would you say that's true? I I think so. I I just sort of pieced that together. I'm not sure if I'm right or. Well, we can keep sitting with that. Like, but I do think that there's something about the way that we tend to think about ego, right? Like, we tend, I think we flatten ego. Um, Like, I'm trying to figure out. Like, there's all these different kinds of concepts that sort of all go together in terms of really thinking about ego. And it's like, mm-hmm. not all of it's bad. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You got to eat. You got to drink. You got to, yeah, you know, like, there are biological needs that need to be met that you as an individual need to do. Right. So, but I think we talk in a culture like as though there's something like some, it's like some zero to 500 like scale where like people that have to either self-flagellate or they are automatically a egomaniac. Right. Like can't somebody in the middle just have a little self-respect and be like, "You know, I'm not the worst." Yeah. Like maybe that's maybe that's actually healthy. Um but I spend a lot like um and I'm not the greatest at this, I will admit, I have dear friends that will say things to me like, I don't like the way you talk about yourself. Paul may have said this to me. Um, you're not alone, right? Uh, so the dearest friends to me are the ones that will call me on some of the, yeah, some of the crap I say about myself. Um, but the more you I don't start- like think I like the way that you say about the crap that you say. <laughs> Look now. <laughs> Let's take this off the air. No, but I'm, but, you know, I'll say these things about myself and half the time, I think I've done it so long and so, uh, so without thought, um, that right. I don't even notice when I'm doing it sometimes. Like, I think the, yeah. one of the times I think you first said it to right. me, we were getting in your car and I couldn't find my phone and I was like, ah, oh, I'm such an idiot. I lose my phone and I leave it everywhere. And there was... My phone was in my bag. I had misplaced it. And what I really needed to say was, hang on for a second. I need to locate my phone. (laughs) Right? In no way did I need to, like, launch into a tirade. But I know so many people that I'm with, like, in the span, like, I I swear, this week I'm going to keep a tally of all the crappy things people I love say about themselves. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be an interesting experiment? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Because the more you notice it yourself, the more you start realizing, like, people, um, you know, like, I was listening to Paul talk about a story. I guess it was Thursday. Paul was telling a story of, like, how you broke your foot, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know how many, like, horrible things about yourself you yeah, said in the yeah, span of a story that was yeah, essentially like- just, I misstepped when I stood up. And yeah. I broke my foot and I was in agony. 
But yeah, that's not the but, story but no, you told. It's like because there's because I'm a dumbass and I was an idiot for doing this, and then I'm like a like a baby. I did this, you know. Yeah, it was all of that. And you started that with stuff. my yeah, fat ass stuff. was on the couch, <laughs> needing to go to the gym. Like I mean, like like oh my. Like, if you would put an actual arrow in yourself for every yeah yeah yeah, it'd be Swiss cheese. It'd be Swiss cheese. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. that's for sure. But we do it right. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we we certainly do. We certainly do. You know, um, and yeah, what's that about? And I, I, and what does it mean? Like you said, um, that we can do that without even thinking about it. I mean, it's so baked in. It's so baked in. How do you bake it out? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you bake it out? It's almost like an exorcism. Yeah. Um, I think. I think we pay attention. Yeah. I think we pay attention. Pay attention to Tennessee when you're going through it. And I'm not going to say this thing about myself. Yeah. It's not kind. You know, and kindness to self. Let's start there. I, I think that's a fantastic way to start. I also think, you know, starting with the kindness to ourselves, but I also am noticing that I, I really want to challenge myself to also be careful about the stuff I agree with my friends about, right? Like, Uh you know, I've noticed that there aren't a lot of people, but there are some people in my life that if I start talking crap about myself, they will co-sign that stuff and amplify it, right? Mm. Because it's almost like it's fun. Like, let's, let's make fun of the human, right? And, and we do it and it's in jest and it's, and it's cute until it's not. And yeah, so right. I can't change friends that might want to, or well, maybe we should be careful about the word friends, but <laughs> I, yeah. I can't change how people will co-sign the, the negative self-talk I have, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I can challenge myself to, to make sure that I'm not like, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon with someone if they are, taking themselves down like there's no reason to agree with someone when they're saying hateful stuff about themselves no there's not no there's not and and that's i guess if if step one is let's be kind to ourselves i guess step zero is if nothing more than just the faith-based hopeful admission that we deserve kindness yeah mm-hmm. you know um and that doesn't have to have something that you that doesn't need to be something that you have evidence for. It can just yeah. be, you know, it can just be, yeah. you know, you're a human on this earth. What more do you need to deserve kindness than that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be earned. You can just have it. Yeah. You can just have it. That's grace. Um, you can just have it. Yeah. Um, and let's start there yeah. and then maybe start thinking about, okay, if I really did think that, if I really thought that I deserved kindness from myself and from others, what would I let in and what would I not let in? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what would my filter look like then? What would my relationships look like then? Who would, what would my circles look, you know, this, you know, Sherry's circles, right? Sherry, Sherry does these circles of, she does. I shouldn't talk about this. Um, you so, can talk about it. I, okay. Yeah. The circles is like where, where people are in their, in, in the sphere of, you know. Yes. So somewhere along the way, I realize not everyone is entitled to be in the inner circle closest to me. So some people are out in tears. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, 
Because otherwise, it's a mob around you, right? <laughs> then planets run into each other, and there's like collisions. Little space, like, oh little space. especially space. with COVID, has taught us six feet. You know, space yeah, is good. <laughs> so you got to keep your Put inner a mask circle. On six feet. Six thin, feet. Wear a mask. So yeah, the people in your inner circle can be properly spaced. Anyhow, go yep. on. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, if we just start there with, uh, you know, maybe we we deserve kindness. Maybe we're worthy of kindness. Maybe. That's a right that we have as human, not necessarily something we have to discover or earn. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 changes in in our lives if we just say, "What if I deserve kindness oh. for myself, by others, and by myself to myself?" Mm-hmm. What changes? And I will say, I'm going to be sort of um, sly in this. Don't do it. Don't don't make a decision for the rest of your life with this. Just do it. Try it for one day. You can do one day, can't you? You can yeah. squeeze a day out. See how a day goes. And, you know, let me know. Let us know. See how it goes. Yeah. Just okay. do it a day. Just one day. One day. Not even 24 hours. Just just the parts when you're awake. 16 just the 16 hours. when you're awake. Yeah. Easy, yeah. Just to, you know, just say, you know, oh, just wake up in the morning and have a have a little sticky note, write it down, and put it next to your bed or whatever you sleep on. I don't know. Who am I to say? Uh, and it says, "Be I'm going to be kind to myself today. I'm going to be kind to myself today." And you stick it next to your on your next to your bed or whatever on your wall. So when you when you wake up in the morning, you see it. It's like, oh, okay. And you just take that note and you just carry it around with you. Yeah. And every once in a while, you just look at it and remind yourself. Or set a and little. See how that. See how the days go. Yeah. See, see how the days go. Or set a little alarm on your phone to go off every four hours. Be kind to yourself. Be kind. Yeah. 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 And Check. you know, if it works out, I don't know. Maybe maybe think about doing it again. If it doesn't, hey man, it's cool. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Yeah. You have a day where you're kind to yourself. What's the worst? Sherry, I did not ask you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was about. So I was about to say. Um. So one of the funniest things about this episode has been, before we started, Paul told me he was going to ask me a question, and Sherry was like, "Let's distract Paul so Paul doesn't (laughs) ask his question all episode." Yeah, I've got a question, right? And uh, we, I will ask it next time. Maybe, maybe I'll ask it the next time. You know, um, like you want me to ask it now, and you can think about it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's see. Okay, so this is this is a question that came up uh, last night, and if if people don't know, last night was the twelfth of the twelve part Artists Way group that um, our own Dr. Sherry Spiegel organized and ran uh, with some really great folks that I've um, I'm honored to now know and interact with. Um, we met every Monday for twelve weeks, and Sherry, that was a fantastic job. That you did with that. It was really was a great group of people that you put together. So um, my hat's off to you on that. Um, maybe it's one again. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, um, we'll see. But one of the questions that came out last night in the last week was somebody brought this up. And uh, so, Sherry, I will ask you, but don't answer it. We'll answer it next week. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this came up as this is a question that keeps coming up in job interviews and everything. And it's like, that's the dumbest question <laughs> ever. So I was gonna, I was thinking about asking you that one of these days, you know, and not to not that you have an answer, but I want to see where your head goes with the thinking of where do you see yourself in five Interesting. years? Interesting. What does that question even mean? So park that, park it. Park I will park it, that. You know, and, well, 
I will say one thing about that. I'm not going to answer the question, but I just think it's funny to think about, and I saw something running around on Facebook about this, like all the people who answered that question in 2015, where do you see yourself in five years? I bet they were all wrong. Yeah, all wrong. No one was like, I will be quarantined in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I don't think that's what a lot of people said. Or Um, if they did say that this this shenanigans was what was going to happen, they didn't get the job. They didn't get the job. Yeah, no, no way. Right? Like if in 2015, somebody had been like, well, I think in five years, there's going to be a virus that's going to shut everything down. And, uh, Donald Trump is going to be president during <laughs> yeah, right. it. Like, this is the, this is not a person that got the job. Right? This is not a person that got the job, and you know, even you know, f- funny as well is you know they said something about Oprah mobility and being part of middle management or whatever it might be. They were hired, and their their boss is now like where we are now is nowhere near where you said you were going to be five years ago. You sir or ma'am are fired. You know. <laughs> You got that so wrong. You're out of here. You know, you're out of here. Yeah. Oh, that will be a fun question to ask. Yeah. So I I thought it would be fun for us to pick that apart. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, something we'll look forward to. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Sherry. It was wonderful to talk to you again. Uh, And uh, thanks, listeners, for listening. As always. Thanks, Check us out. Yeah. Check us out on the socials or on Facebook. Twitter for what it's worth. We're still working on that a little bit. Uh, Instagram, you can find us at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. And there's something about a newsletter coming out on a newsletter coming September out September 1. 1. And the other fun thing is that Paul and I, this is not me and Paul's only podcast anymore. That's true. Um, so a fun That's thing true. to note for our Timol fans uh, out there is we are also helping out Commonwealth Baptist Church getting their first podcast up and rolling. And that podcast called Faith Made Welcome, it's a progressive Baptist church podcast, um, is now available also out there on uh, Podbean and also on Apple iTunes podcasts. Um, so... There's some Very cool. cool things happening there, too. Love it. Yeah. Good job, Sherry. Good job. good job, Paul. All the sound is so good, and it's done by Paul. And if you listen all the way to the end of the episode, you get to hear Paul with his smooth <laughs> NPR voice. So tune yeah, in just NPR for that. Voice. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Great, everybody. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Cool. See you, Sherry. See ya. Bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes.